The reading of the scriptures from Romans chapter 16, reading verses 17 to 20. I invite your hearing uh, in reverence and in faith, uh, God's word here in Romans chapter 16. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The uh, church is oftentimes uh, seen as a very safe place. Uh, but that is not uh, always the case, is it? We have uh, seen in our contemporary culture of church leaders who harm uh, little children. Um, we have seen um, false theology come into the church uh, that does the greatest of harm imaginable because uh, it, it, it affects eternity. And that is now partially the experience of the church at Rome uh, because uh, false teachers and deception are either already in the church or are very near to coming into it. And so Paul uh, protects the church with a warning in verses 17 to 18 and then reminds the church, as is so critical for all of our lives, for the grace of God. He commends the church in verse 19 and then uh, begins to sign off with a great promise and prayer in verse 20. A very compressed text of danger, pronounced danger, but the grace of God that is always uh, with the people of God as an answer to danger. Uh, and warnings uh, are essential to the church. I think one of the saddest um, things in my own mind with respect to contemporary Christianity is we never hear about warnings. I think, well, that's for, that's for people outside the church. Well, here's Paul warning the church at Rome. So warnings uh, are everywhere in the Bible. And this is one in closing, certainly verse 17. Uh, watch for troublemakers, Paul says. Uh, the nominal form of the verb to watch is uh, used of the sentry posted on the wall of cities to warn it of danger. In that sense, by the way, we have sentries in the church called elders. We, we walk the walls watching for danger to warn because it's ever-present. Uh, 
literally has the idea of uh, to set a mark or to fix your eyes upon it. There's the target, if you will. I promise you we don't think in those terms at all in the church. We, we, uh, we sometimes are seduced by uh, lofty words that I certainly believe in, like love and compassion, merciful. Here Paul is saying, danger is coming, set a mark. Get ready to target them. Because they, they cause trouble. Uh, here, um, they cause dissensions. Uh, literally to set people apart. So they're recruiters, if you will, to divide the church. Uh, I remind you that um, the philosophies of uh, the age in which we live uh, are desperately trying to recruit you to their own forms of worldliness and corruption. When I think of the word recruiter, I think of that Famous recruiting poster, Uncle Sam Wants You. I don't know what it's... Navy or the Air Force or Coast Guard. Uh, But great recruiting posters. Well, by the way, so does the world and the devil and the flesh. Greatest recruiters in all the world save the Holy Spirit. Uh, contextually, uh, the reference is to those who are outside of the apostolic tradition. Notice the text. They cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and then the response, turn away from them. Outside of the apostolic teachings and doctrines. Have you ever heard such a phrase? Well, here it is in Book of Romans. Not to leave the apostolic tradition. The doctrines that Paul has given to us in chapters 1 to 11. Passed on in the apostolic company by the Savior, given to the church to pass it on to successive generations. Told not to fumble it, because from it are the very issues of life. Let me just look very quickly at Galatians chapter 5. reason why this warning is so important. Uh, Paul is reminding us of the fallenness of the world. The deeds deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions. So it's just a long vice list. But notice factions, dissensions, trying to divide the church. It's a danger that's always ever present in the life of the church. Well, you know, Parasox, why is that so important? Well, look what Paul tells us, verse 21. I forewarn you, and look at the warning. I forewarned you as I have forewarned you that those who practice such sayings shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you will, the doors of heaven will be closed to them. That's a pretty stout warning. What's the solution? Of course, the apostolic traditions, teachings of 
uh, the apostles that you and I find in the Scriptures. The Scriptures. So it's a very uh, important reminder. Paul appends to them the great answer, turn away from them. Teaching which you learned. Part of the, our ministry here at Grace Bible Church is to teach, teach people. What are we teaching them? The apostolic traditions. What's the warning? Don't, don't turn away from them. Be very careful. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians, Corollary Text, chapter 3, and verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep aloof from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you received from us. The Apostle Paul said, Gosh, it seems so difficult to trace. I and mean, we're going back thousands of years. Well, think of it in this way that's really easy. It's passed to the church, uh, was recovered by the church in the Protestant Reformation, the great doctrines of the sovereign grace of God. Uh, we have at the entrance to our church a cross that has the five solas upon it. Representing the Protestant Reformation. Theology that comes from Scripture that represents the apostolic tradition, such as Christ alone. Only He can save. I'd remind you that He doesn't save the qualified. You don't get yourself ready. And because you do some good works, He saves you. He saves sinners, the lost. Because of His power and grace, Christ alone. There are other souls, as you know. but uh, Our response to uh, false teaching is to turn away from them. It's pronounced, uh, this danger is pronounced in our own age because we live in an anti-doctrinal, anti-theological age. That in and of itself is a warning bell. People traditionally don't pay any attention to it. Uh, I know that many of you in your life will at some point move geographically from Oklahoma City or for whatever reason you will find a church that perhaps better suits you and again, leading of the Spirit. But remember the teachings of the apostles and that every alarm and I remind you again that many American churches uh, are uh, have already left their doctrinal moorings and have set sail on a sea of subjectivity and feelings. And I'm all for a measure of those things as they are, as they are tied to the teachings of the apostles. It's a trap. And we should turn away from it. Mark Paul's words because they matter. Tradition of the apostles. Keep the way of doctrine because they are the way of life and the way of man and the philosophies of the world are the way of death. Simply two ways of life. Two ends. 
two paths to follow. Way of life or the way of death. The apostles are always turning us to Christ. To the Savior. The Spirit, the great leader who leads His people. Leads His sons. Who keeps them. Uh, Paul's going to give us two reasons in verse 18 for the warning. The first is such men are slaves of their bellies instead of being slaves of Christ. The way of life, by the way, this is almost ironical. When you become a Christian, you become a slave of Christ. The word slave is very pejorative in our culture and language. But it's used of the Christian. We follow him is all that it means. We follow the Savior. It's a way of life. Uh, Slaves of their bellies is either a literal reference to men who are adding Old Testament dietary laws as essentials to the faith. That's a way of danger. Uh, When you start adding to the gospel, you are corrupting it. If you start subtracting from the gospel, you are corrupting it. Just remember Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. Uh, The enemies are either libertines or Judaizers. Judaizers were saying, "Eh, it's good to have faith in Christ, but you need to do this and this and this and follow Moses as well. Libertines was, well, no, I've been saved by grace. I can do anything I want to do. There are many rules to follow. Both are profound danger. One adds, the other subtracts. As I suggested, they are either present in the church or soon to come into it. They represent the profound danger. Notice a parallel warning in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19. Paul is speaking of the same enemies. He says of them, whose end is destruction. How can Paul use such harsh language? Because the moment you begin to corrupt the Scriptures, you've set your path in a profoundly dangerous way. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. And then he says, for our citizenship is in the heavenlies. Our hope is there. And may it burn, of course, brightly. Secondly, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Verse 18. Follow their own appetites by their smooth and flattering speech and they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Uh, Deception is uh, perhaps in, in my own mind one of the gravest of dangers because Um, If Satan can believe you and and deceive you, get you to believe that uh, you're safe apart from Christ, essentially he owns you. Deception is ever-present danger to the church. Always trying to come in to church. As you know, we're studying in our Sunday school class, uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Of a man who comes with smooth words, flattering speech to deceive the people of God. Some turn away and and refuse his speech, and others are faithful to God 
Some uh, follow the man and they're into destruction. You buy false words that aren't true, that sound good, they sound wonderful, but they're not true. Satan promises a lot, but he cannot deliver. Christ promises eternal life. He delivers. Paul, you can find it everywhere in his epistles. Ephesians 5, 6, Titus 1, 10. Paul says, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So words matter. They profoundly matter. Think of it in this way. The first verse of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The incarnate Word. That Word will keep us and preserve us for everlasting life. Give our hearts to it. We also desire to pass it on. Uh, these uh, false words are markers of the end-time tribulation. Uh, more importantly, a deception is an act of war. Sometimes we, well, it's... Someone's trying to deceive me. It's no big deal. It's an act of war. Because battles begin with words and words matter. Here they're smooth and flattering. It's very interesting when you, uh, when you look at the, uh, the phrase in the New American Standard says smooth and flattering speech. These are compound words that in both cases use the very important word logos. Word. So they've corrupted the word. Literally, they are easy and good words. So deceivers come to turn people away. And they come to recruit, always recruiting with false words. The words sound good, but the danger profound. Soft words make for soft men. And I would remind you, soft men are easily turned by soft words. So we study the scriptures. Antidote is the truth. So one of the reasons we study is to show ourselves approved unto God, to refute soft words, and for wisdom not to take the bait. And that's essentially what it means to deceive someone. You get them to take the bait. And what is bait? Where is bait set? In a trap. Fairly simple. But it's the greatest trap of the centuries. Soft words. By the greatest deceiver of all times. Our antidote is to turn away. Our antidote, greater antidote, is the gospel, the words of Christ. The eternal word. We give our hearts to that which is eternal. The immutable word that never changes. Uh, The opposite of uh, the danger in uh, the Roman church is uh, obedience. So Paul gives us an implicit response to deceivers in a commendation of the church in verse 19. Report of your obedience has reached to all. 
What was their reputation? Obedience. Man, what a reputation to aspire to. To obey the words of Christ. We should all want to be known by such a reputation. And because of their reputation, he rejoices. He expresses a desire that they be wise in what is good and innocent or unmixed in what is evil. Commendation is a reminder that obedience is not optional in the church. We all fail. Um, God doesn't save perfect people, and our doctrine of sanctification doesn't make us perfect, but He is always at work within us to change us, to be like the Savior, the eternal Word. And the Scriptures are the source of our wisdom in the battle against smooth words and empty talk. And in this incredible warfare of words that Paul is warning us about, uh, there is success and a promise to hold on to. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. In the midst of this battle that you and I are involved in, we have to steal our hearts. Many will turn aside, we must not. The promise is the outcome of the gospel and our identification and participation with Christ. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That God is the source of peace. Remind you of Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The war is over. The greatest peace treaty of all time, encapsulated for us in the doctrine of justification. Peace. It's the only way to eternal peace through Jesus Christ. He alone can make that peace. Furthermore, he will crush our arch enemy under our feet. It's very interesting that this word is used in the Greek papyri of the aftermath of a battle. But it's our theological reminder that Christ is the victor, the supreme conqueror of all of life. The victor. Capital letter. The text is an allusion to Genesis 3. The first reference to the gospel in the scriptures, allusion to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He's, Christ has uh, set in motion the complete destruction of Satan. And here is the, a measure of the end state of it in the gospel. The gospel. Grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone. You come to believe in Christ as the Savior. He saves. He's the only one that saves. No one else has the ability. He can because He's eternal God. And He saves His own. Satan strikes first, but Christ delivers the decisive blow. This promise has begun, but fulfillment is always in Christ. 
the not yet of the fact that the battle rages is the defeat of Satan is certain. The reality of this, by the way, is in a beautiful Old Testament promise, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 51. Verses uh, 9 to 11. Very quickly, I want to read the text. Isaiah chapter 51, verses 9 to 11. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations long ago. Was it not thou who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not thou who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a pathway for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, and everlasting joy will be on their heads, and they will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. It's a prayer of the people of God for God to wake up. It's figurative language. God never sleeps. He never gets tired because He's eternal. He's omnipotent. Because God, wake up and do what you did in the past. The essence of the prayer. God, clothe yourself for battle in light of what He has done in the past defeat of Rahab, who was Egypt. Allusion to the Exodus. uh, Defeat of Pharaoh. His armies. If you recall, God's past deliverance in the first Exodus was celebrated in the great song of Moses. And God made a pathway through the water. Satan was driving them to the Red Sea and God made a pathway through the water to deliver them. When the enemies uh, got on that pathway, God commanded the ocean to swallow them. They did. Again, celebrated the great song of victory in Moses. You and I sing a similar song. Christ the victor. Greatest battle of all time. And by the way, I remind you, because he won in the past, he always wins. He never loses. Because of who he is. God. Eternal God. Infinite God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now this language is picked up for us in the book of the Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. Verses 15 and 16. Notice the imagery to the Exodus. By the way, the consistency of the Bible. The serpent poured out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. The flood of deception with soft and smooth words. What does God do? He helps. He helps His people. And the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of its mouth. God's saving in the same way. Deception is rushing at us like a giant flood water as if a dam is burst. But God makes a way by saving us from soft words and giving us the eternal Word. Who is Christ? Again, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that Word protects us from the deceivers. Greater fulfillment of all of this is in the church. That God protects the church in the end time exodus from soft words. And then Paul repairs to this success. 
the victory that someday will be ours when God crushes Satan under our feet. Notice the last part of verse 20. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Our success in prayer. How? Grace. God always deals with us in grace. In grace. His unmerited favor for His own. The love of His of God for his own, for his children, for his sons and daughters. His profound love. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So there's a battle and God promises to save and deliver with his way and his words. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that here is success and victory. And our success and victory, by the way, is final. Final. Remember Isaiah 51? And sorrow and sigh will flee away. The victories of the world are only temporary. Our victories in Christ are forever. Begun, we'll reach its end state in eternal life. 